<laughs> Yo, so it's Andy from the Banks Fit Podcast, and today a special guest I've got is um, one of my <laughs> one of my first mentors, my instructor for Taekwondo when I was I don't know what age I'd have been. What what was I, Scott? About seven, seven or eight or something? Yeah, a long time ago. I didn't young. have a beard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was young, yeah. I think I think it was. I'm thinking it's like. I think I stopped when I was 16 and I'm 30 now, so it's about 14 years yes. ago, which is mental. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I brought Scott on today because I kind of wanted to talk about mentorship. I want to talk about the power of mentorship. Um, I want to talk about the mentors we've had and to talk about the impact that we can have, I suppose, as mentors, because that's kind of what we are, I suppose, Scott. Like, you know, you help yeah. in terms of your Taekwondo and I help people mentor people through improving their physical well-being and performance. So just to kick us off, I thought I would just talk a little bit about your background, Scott, so that listeners know what you're all about, uh, yeah. what you do, and I suppose nicely why you do it. So, yeah, let's, let's chat. My, my background, um, I am a fifth degree black belt in uh, Taekwondo. I've been involved in martial arts for 36 years. Uh, kind of get into martial arts... <sighs> I suppose not by act, by accident, maybe fate, fate probably. Uh, I, through my early teenage years, I was um, I was a, a sprinter with uh, Commander Harriers, and uh, I, I, as a teenager, your body kind of grows in different ways, and uh, I was starting to get one leg growing slightly quicker than the other, as it turned out. <laughs> So I kept pulling and tearing my hamstring. Uh, my right hamstring's got like scar tissue on it that you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're sprinting and you, and you want your muscles to be moving really, really quickly, um, if there's any imbalance whatsoever, one leg will, will take it over the other. And, and my right hamstring is just, I, I don't actually know to this day if it's actually caught up in my left leg. Right. But as it turned out, it was the physio that, that, that figured this out, my, my, right, ham, my right leg was shorter than my left. So my, my hamstring on my right leg was working harder than my left. Yeah. And I kept tearing. Now, at the same time, as I was sprinting, there was a gentleman that came down, two gentlemen, they came down to the athletics track, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Pat Mackay and Tommy Burns. Uh, Pat, if you guys, uh, your listeners don't know, Pat was probably one of the biggest names in karate in the 1980s. Um, he's a commander lad, a very, very good friend of mine. He's a five times world karate champion. And Tommy, a very, very good friend. Um, he was a European and, and Commonwealth Games karate champion. Um, and and they, they would use sprint. And they, did, they were probably one of the first karate practitioners to cross train. They probably were. Um, and they used sprinting because their karate was, was fast switch muscles. And they used sprinting. So they were down one night and my hamstring pulled, it popped again. And uh, Pat came over and put his arm in, you're all right, you man, all the, all the rest of it. He goes, Look, go and get it seen to him. Come in and try and come, come and try some karate. It might not be as hard on your on your hamstring. It might be just keep you ticking over until you can come back to the, the, the track. No, mm -hmm. Yeah, okay then. So two or three weeks down the line, I spoke to him again. He goes, Yeah, yeah, clubs at the Galleon Centre. Let's get into the Galleon. Um, and, and from there, I kind of never looked back. Okay. <laughs> um, I trained with Pat and Bunny uh, for, for a number of years. I trained in karate for uh, sort of like four years, maybe five years. Um, but things kind of fell away because Pat ended up going to the Germany to coach the, the German 
um, the German under twenty one team, I think it was. So the club kind of fell, and I was, I was, um, there was one day I was, I, I, I was going into the gym, the, the Galleon. Yeah, the Galleon thing was about still then, uh, <laughs> and um, and there was a Taekwondo competition. Um, in the, the main hall in, in the Galleon Centre and I just saw everyone throwing their legs about and I went I want to do that <laughs> I want to go at it that was, that was the December 1990 uh, I did my first class wow I, I was born then Scott just to put that in perspective I was born then eh? 1990 <laughs> that was me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, oh no 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, so in December there was a competition in December and, and the next week I went in and did my first class shut down for Christmas came back for January so it was January 1991 I got I got I just basically that was my my taekwondo um, it hooked you yeah that was me for forever for now <laughs> so uh, yeah so yeah, I think you were probably still getting uh, fed and nappy changed uh, yeah I was still getting my nappy changed but um <laughs> So what, what is it that um, draws you uh, into Taekwondo? Like, what is it that's special about it for you? And I suppose what's special about coaching and mentoring people in Taekwondo? What do you enjoy about it? I think um, not, not uh, I, mean, I don't want any violins. I mean, I grew up without a dad. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, I never had a role model. Okay. Uh, not, not really. My brother was about, he was still living in Edinburgh at the time, but uh, it was m- myself and my twin brother. Uh, I never really had a role model, which is why I took to sport quite well, because a lot of male influences uh, in sport. And, and I, I, saw, I saw within sport that there were good nor bad influences. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was also quite small, quite weak. Um, and I wanted to be stronger and more in control of what I was doing as well. Yeah. And getting guidance, going down that general road of growing up through adolescence, mm-hmm. um, came from, uh, you know, we, we, looked, we talked about mentors. Most of my mentors came from my, my coaches, mm-hmm. uh, people that were guiding me. Uh, very few from school, I will say. There's yeah. a couple yeah. that were decent, um, but there was very few from school. It all came from my, my sporting clubs. And that was my personal experience, uh, not growing up, having a, a major role model, a major male figure in my family, in my life. Um, and, and, you know, I got into sport, got very competitive, I was getting stronger, I was getting faster, I was getting fitter. Um, and I was starting to overcome that particular fear because I was quite slim. slim. Even when I started fighting, I was only like 64 kilos. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was five foot eight and a half or 64 kilos. So I wanted to bridge gaps in, in where I saw my deficiencies. 100%. Uh, uh, so so I, um, in, in terms of mentoring, mentoring in sport, mentoring, you know, that I received, I, I got from external sources. Not everyone's lucky enough to have a good, strong, solid family uh, with, with major good role models 100% I agree with that you know and and to draw parallels for that for for me um, I think martial arts right when I was in martial arts and and even just in sports in general it's it gives you a direction 
for some of that adolescent energy that you do have, like somewhere to place it and for it to be meaningful and constructive. Yeah. Like, yeah. because yeah, you go to school, right? But most people, like I generally actually had an all right time at school. I relatively enjoyed it, right? It was relatively academic, but it's not the be all end all. Yeah, like it's really not. So outside of school is, is more your downtime and um, the time you enjoy. And if you don't have a place or, you know, a mentor, father figure, whatever it is, to, yeah. sort of, to guide that, that energy that you do have, then yeah. it can ultimately start to be quite destructive, you know, and that can lead yeah. to people yeah. going down um, different routes. Like I know like a lot of young guys, that didn't have that outlet that I had, you know, um, went down different roads as well, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, I think the key ages is definitely your young teens. They, they, they need direction. Um, they need positive role models. And if they're not getting it and, and, and understanding why things are happening, you can see them taking a turn that's not the best. It's, yeah. it's a very negative one, actually. Um, I'm not saying you don't have negative experiences on the the, the positive path. Yeah, it's like losing. Mostly, you can... I, I would say yeah. that what it, what it does is it's it's about setting foundations. Like yeah. for me, being active. Like I, I'm pretty sure Taekwondo for me was something I started about seven. We were talking about the Galleon Center. It was the Galleon I went to it first, and I was I was very young. I'd be seven or eight years old. And what it did for me is it set up a foundation of one um, understanding, you know, that, that you need to work to progress. That was like number one, right? Simple yeah. belts and Taekwondo, you know, whether it's sport, yeah. it can be, you know, if, let's say for football, it's like, you know, you're playing at juniors level or you're playing at, you know, under fives and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's like a hierarchy, if you like, within sport. There's usually a mentor, like a person who's, you know, looking after you and directing you. Um, and that's powerful because it teaches you that to progress, you have to put work in, number one, which yeah. is like a really good value to have for life. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and number two, uh, I suppose... It teaches you how to work with other people because <laughs> like there's a big group of folk it teaches you basic social skills because you're going to be amongst people and you know you're going to bump into different personalities and all that and it's teaching you something for later on it's it's there is a double-edged sword to this um especially if you're in a martial arts group you're in a group of 20 people just picking a number out there could be 10 could be 30 doesn't matter and yes you do have that social interaction and you're on the same road you're on the same path however you are there as a single entity it's about you and the skill um, you can share their common understanding with your, your friends after before and after class what about this and how about that how did you think about that and, and that gives you a, a sense of belonging to something and knowing that everyone else is on the same journey or a very similar journey maybe just slightly different stages mm. so you've got this sort of social network thinking come in building but you've also got the fact that you need to think for yourself you need to work for yourself because it's only yourself that's going to get you through this so you, you've got that um yeah it's a single mindedness but you've got the teamwork thing as well you've got the definitely got the building blocks you need to i, I see it like a pyramid as well you know if you look at the pyramid of skill there down at the bottom you don't have much skill lots of there's lots of learning to do and every time you go up you want to try and narrow you know 
so your skill level is just a nice wee peak up here, nice and sharp, and and all the rest of it. Um, and, and that that's that's how I, I try and explain it to to the students. They've got to work to get up to the level, and each time you're up a level, you know your skills are getting that little bit more honed. And um, I'm just going to tie it in because I'm sure a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of wrestlers, the main thing we're dealing with right now, right? I'm just going to pull it in for this, is we're back in national lockdown <laughs> again, yeah, you know? Yes, yes. So I thought, you know, it's probably yeah. a, good, a good point to turn into um, what, you, what you're doing with your students to look after their physical and mental well-being right now as a mentor, as a coach. Yeah. Like, what do you do to try, because, you know, people are going to be like, hey, I, can't go to physical training. Um, there's competitions or don't know when they're going to happen. Because I'm having the same things with me. I'm having people say, you know, um, I, I don't really like doing, you know, virtual coaching or, you know, I, I really just want to sit on the couch and eat chocolate and <laughs> not yeah. bother my shirt. So how are you, I suppose, helping with that and how, how do you think coaching can help? It's, it's it, For me, it's we're trying to keep things as normal as possible. Okay, we don't have competitions. No one can get kicked and punched at the moment. Contact is and as I know no. People love it, right? Like honestly, like like I loved it. Like there's there's something addictive about kicking and punching another person in a controlled environment. It's a mutual respect. It's a mutual yeah. respect. Um so I try to keep things as normal as possible. Still try to keep the goals there. I yeah. think goals um, goals mindset mindset focus goals uh, they're all in, in in terms of in terms of keeping the students moving forward, they're very very important words. Yeah. The mindset is first. Let's let's have the mindset of keeping it positive. Let's have right. Okay, so we're keeping it positive. What goals can I have? Can, you know, how can I train and what goals can I have? Yeah. Okay. So, but then you sit down, you write the goals, and go right. Okay, this is how I'm going to achieve those goals. Right. And then we we, we keep we. we in agreement with the students, we'll work towards those goals. We'll work towards those milestones. Those, um, and and that's that's how that's how I'm kind of trying to do. It's trying to keep it as normal. I suppose it's like it's when we go back to what we're talking about. Like it's about that energy. Like everyone's got a set amount of energy, and energy, funnily enough, feeds energy. I always say this to people. people yeah, like, yeah. You know, how many people do you get coming in to go? Oh, I feel like shit. Like. Can't be bored doing it, and I'm sitting about in the house. And you go, do you know what? Be really good. At, good. Start off by going for a walk or yeah. move, right? Because and I've had it myself. Where I've had you have a crappy day and you sit about and you eat, like over Christmas, I've done it. Sitting eating ice cream, boozing, just turned into a sloth for about a week, right? Yeah. And then it comes to Monday and you're like, right, I need to get back into it. And you start building like those mental blocks you had, you're like, oh, I can't really be arsed and I need to do this and I've got, oh, I've got so much to do. See, the thing is, see, as soon as I started going back to work, started yeah. going back to it, started moving, started training again, instantly start feeling better. The energy comes back and I'm like, it's all good. It's, it's, it's basically, I never, you know, it's, if you've got no energy, if you're, you're being sloth like and you've got no energy, it's really easy to do nothing, but you feel bad about it. Uh, when you start getting those walks and all of a sudden things start changing, the chemicals start changing in the body, you start to feel things and sense things slightly differently. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, I think keep getting back to, to, to focusing everyone, we've all still got school, we've all still got to work, we've all still got to eat. And, um, so let's try and do what we can as normal as we can. And, and when we come through the, all these tears, 
okay, we can re- remove some of those restrictions and we open up a little bit more. And then we can get... It's, it's get, almost get, like, it's, like uh, it's the adaptive carrot on the stick, I would call it. You know, <laughs> it's like, because yeah. like before, you know, the first lockdown for me personally, right, my own personal goals shift because like I'm into powerlifting, I want to lift the heaviest weights I can lift. That's, that's my thing, right? That's my, yeah. my stick. That's what I'm into. I don't know why. I just love lifting heavy stuff. You know, it feels good. <laughs> so, but you can see, like I always say this with any hobby or interest. If yeah. you talk about a hobby or an interest to someone who isn't in it, yeah, they kind of roll their eyes. Like if you literally, like if I go up to someone, you know, like <laughs> like like your parents or like you're just talking at a party, let's say, and someone says, "Oh, well, what do you do for fun?" You're like, "I'm, I'm I go to the gym." And they're like, "Oh yeah, what would you do?" And I'm like. I lift really heavy weights and I lifted this weight and they're like, awesome, good for you, mate. And it's the same as someone talks to me about like cars, for example. Someone's like, oh, I take my cars to track days. If you're in it, if you're in it, right, if you're right into it, then you will love it and everyone that's in it will love it. Uh, But anyway, so... It's about about understanding who you're talking to and how to, to... To, to best get the, the, the most from them. I mean, all my students, they're in Taekwondo. Taekwondo's actually got lots of different facets. And when yeah. we talk about competition, you kind of get punching people in the face. Well, I've got world champions. It's just a biting, not their nails. They're now down at their knuckles. <laughs> I hit something in the face. <laughs> so, so what do we do with these guys? We can't yeah. hit one another. Well, we, we, look at their, we look at their overall and we say, well, you're a bit weaker in your flexibility. Let, let's, this is a brilliant, brilliant time to work on some flexibility uh, routines. Your timing's off. Let's get some timing back. Let's get some time in there. Um, so we'll look at them as an entity on the competition side and we we'll start pulling out weaknesses and say, let's work on this. No one's getting punched in the face for a few weeks, months. <laughs> and then that, have- that's, that's amazing, right? And that's, that's exactly what I would do as well. It's like, with the restrictions you've got, all you're doing is you're changing the goalposts. Yeah. And I think the people who are able to adapt their goalposts in life with yeah. these restrictions, and we talked about it before we came on the podcast, you said, you know, I've started writing my training manual, which is awesome, right? You're using um, spare time and energy you've got to do something really productive that's going to pay off long term. I've started doing my podcast. It's thinking about like, you know, I can't like, I, I can personally sit here and be like, you know, I can't go to the gym, so I don't have access to heavyweights. Uh, you know, I can't go and see my mates for a piss up at the pub, which I quite enjoy now and then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can. T- we, we could sit here and we could list all the things that we cannot do, but it literally will serve you. It won't serve you in any positive manner. All no. it's going to do is just make you pissed off and, and yeah. raging. And the oh, amount yeah. of people you'll see it now in Facebook, like scrolling through your feed, and you'll just have someone just absolutely spitting flames at the government. And you're like, control your own environment, your own shit, and yeah. you ultimately feel so, like, I'm not saying it's sunshine rainbows out there, folks. Like, it's not, like, no, no, lockdown, no, lockdown no. is worse than normal. Like, this is not as fun as normal life is. But being resilient and being adaptable and what Scott's saying, so, like, you, with your students, you're saying, hey, you know, if it's a guy who's really competitive and wants to knock the stuff in it of someone at a world championship, Listen, mate, like, there's things you can do right now. You, you could sit and you could be like, oh, this is shit. I can't, you know, fight my buddy. I can't go to competitions. Or you could you can direct them as a mentor and say, listen, why don't we work on your ability to throw the most dynamite sidekick? Because oh, yeah. see all the other guys that are sitting bitching and moaning. See when yeah. it comes to the next competition, you're going to kick them out of the ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that kind of idea. Absolutely. Every single one of my students has a different goal. 
Okay, um, they've all got to go through the same process. Where how, whatever silo they decide to end up in, they've all got to go through the same process. So, so you, I, I, I kind of see it like um, you know, those infrared sort of like goggles you get, and you can yeah. see. Is a heater and all the rest of it. Well, I invert that. Where you see it cold, you see weakness. Where you see where you see it red and heat, you see the strength. And and you kind of look at them all in each of the silos and say, okay, we need to look at this area. We need to look at that area. And you, you do. I think being a mentor, being a coach, I think that is uh, probably one of the most important things is is having the ability to uh, first and foremost communicate. Secondly, understand what the objectives of your student or students or clients is. And thirdly, in times of restrictions, how best to, to, to guide, how best to turn around and say, well, your goal is to be a black belt. You've got another grading coming on. We need to work on your technical ability here. We've got to pull your, your, your technique and, and work on this. And you want to be a world champion. Okay, let's let's look at um, how how fluently you can work your 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 hand combinations or your kicking combinations. Let's look and, and it's being a mentor, being a coach of any sort, in my opinion, is about talking to someone, understanding where they're coming from, understand where they want to go, and understand how you can best guide with the experience that you've got. No, that's that's bang on, man. That's perfect. I think that's it's exactly what it is like coaching and what mentorship is about, right? It's it's about I suppose when someone comes through your door, quotation marks, they're coming through your door with a, a purpose, with a reason in mind. Yeah, you are yeah. then extracting that information from them, and then you're then saying, you know. This is this is where you can go with us, and this is how you can go with it, and this yeah. is the advice I can give you, and and that's the, I suppose the power of, of true mentorship is actually empowering people. Yeah, like that's, that's what you're doing. Like literally, yeah. as a coach and a mentor, what you're doing is you're empowering them to go ahead and do things like because you're saying, listen, I have done this, or I have experience in helping people do this. So I know exactly the best way or, or, or certainly a way to get there. Yeah. If you follow my guidance, you're going to get there. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing for people that, you know, whatever circumstance you're in, it's amazing to, for people yeah. to have that wee guiding light. And, and, and yeah, okay, but that's, only, that's the early stages. That's uh, to the stage of they're kind of getting to maturity. There's, yeah. there's, um, there's a, a quote that I like from um, a Japanese philosopher um and it goes uh, something along the lines of do not follow blindly in the footsteps of the masters yet seek what they sought so but what that says is you can go so far and you've got japanese to start- is, i bet i bet it sounds so sexy in japanese all right because well, <laughs> everyone, so, everyone, so, everyone sounds awesome when you say it in a different language scottish <laughs> scottish there's not any quote in scottish that could ever be seen as like oh that was so beautiful it's just <laughs> not beautiful wrong word <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what that was is you, you know if, if you want to follow this path learn what you can and and take what you can and, and then go on your own path. You've, yeah. you've taken from the mentor. The mentor, the coach, has made is given you the tools to to understand, to to work, to to stand on your own two feet effectively. 
Now it's your turn to go. And, and once I've done my job is to keep people on that path and for them to indulge, not, not indulge, indulge is the wrong word, to take their own path yeah. to their goal. And, and that's when, where I suppose it becomes, if you get to that stage in a relationship as a coach and a mentor, it's quite a nice place. Um, it can also be a challenging position because then you start to challenge your student or client to answer the questions themselves, <laughs> which is quite funny. Yeah. You know, someone will come and ask you a question, you say, like I do it with sometimes of mine, like, They'll ask me a question. <clears throat> One that's really common is, so a lot of my time spent teaching people about nutrition and exercise, and then something will spring up because of the internet. So they'll see someone doing something, and they'll say, Andy, I seen this guy doing this protocol, this program, and he got this result. And I'm like, uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, what do you think about it? And they're like, well, I think it might be a load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we are good. And I'm like, <laughs> So do you think that's the case? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, like moving on, you know, like I try and empower them to answer the question themselves because and otherwise they become quite, people can become reliant. Ooh. They can become too reliant eventually where they're like asking you all the time. You're like, listen, you have the answers inside now. Like, you know, um, yeah. you just need the confidence to know. You, you get to the point of maturity and then you kind of, it's kind of like riding a bike, I suppose. You get to the point where you know that you don't need to hold on to the seat. Just watch them cycle. Yep. Boom. Yep. And then they've got all the answers. They know how to start. They know how to stop. They know how to keep going. They've got all their answers. So um, I'd like to kind of round off today. It's been awesome. Um, with sort of what you, I suppose, what, what's your vision for for Phoenix Taekwondo? You know, like what, what do you want? Vision. Yeah, what's, what's the sort of vision? Like, what do you want to achieve in the, in the next, let's say, five years, you know? Um, and how do you want to help people? Uh, my my vision is very, very simple. Always has been the same vision from when I, when I started Phoenix Taekwondo 20 years ago, this 20th anniversary in December there. Awesome. Um, is, is to take students and teach them Taekwondo to help them achieve the goals that they have and want in their lives and to, to, to show them other aspects that they maybe weren't aware of. Uh, I am a great believer in martial arts. I'm a great believer in Taekwondo to um, help socially as well as physically uh, and, and mentally, I suppose, um, empower people um, and help them. I see a lot of people, I, I see a lot of People out there, you know, victims, people that are maybe uh, unsure of themselves. And I know that uh, what Taekwondo can do. If someone comes into my dojang, my, my training hall, and says, um, I want to be a world champion. Okay, then. You need to work. Yeah. Um, I want to be a bit more confident. Okay, then. We need to work. We'll work you in a slightly different way. But you're going to work. Um, so, I'm and a lot of it comes from inner strength and inner understanding and Physical exercise helps people understand. Helps people become more confident. Physical exercise. 100%. 100%. I think it comes from, for, for me, right, I would say it comes from competence, right? Like, an example as for me, for Taekwondo, was when I was at school, like, growing up, um, you know, when you talked about not having a father figure, I, I had a father figure, but yeah. my dad... Um, became injured in an accident. I'm not going into the details, <laughs> but 
basically there was a period of time when I was five until probably about 10 or 11 where my dad wasn't really able to engage in physical activities with me, right? Because he was going through a recovery. Um, and it meant that Taekwondo was a physical realm for me to go to. And I started to gain competence at it because I practiced, because I went four or five times a week. And that gave me self-confidence and self-worth that I was good at something physically. Because at the time, I was yeah. shit at football. I was shit at like all the kind of sports at school. I was terrible. Like I was really unathletic at school. And the yeah. reason for it is because unlike other boys, I didn't have a father's figure that was like playing sports with me all the time because you couldn't at the time. Yeah. So the only thing I had was Taekwondo and I went there four or five times a week. Um, and I gained a good level of confidence at it. And it yes. made me have this self-worth and self-esteem because I was like, I've got control of my body and I'm actually half decent at something I work on. And I think that's, the powerful when you're talking about like for mental health that's an amazing thing for you mm. like if you can go and practice something in the physical realm that you enjoy get good at, get good at it like go and actually practice yeah. and get good at it <laughs> then it makes you feel feel like worth something <laughs> you know what i mean on, on some yeah. basic like, it makes you feel worth something um, yeah. whereas if you don't have something like that and maybe you don't have it like in your personal life maybe you don't have it in your your work life maybe, like for whatever reason right but yeah. you can go and get it and you know, being a hobbyist or, you know, in a physical culture somewhere, martial arts, the gym, whatever it is, go and pick something that you, yeah. that you like to look of. Build some confidence in that and it will start to bleed, believe it or not, eventually into every area of life. Because what you realise is competence, nobody, like there are very special, lucky people who are innately gifted, right? Screw them. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't worry about them. them because there's no point worrying about it. You're going to get the person who's like got an IQ of 160 and just was like completely gifted or the person who's you know I've seen them loads people who are naturally so athletically gifted you just tell them to do something and they're amazing at it. amazing people right yeah but most people to get competence are gonna have to put some work in you're gonna oh, yeah. have to graft you're gonna have to put the hours in um and and a mentor and a coach can help you to to get to build competence to build confidence that you can to become you on the path, to keep you on the path, to make sure you're making the right moves to the point of your when when you get to maturity and you're able to do it yourself, you know. Awesome. Um, so if any of the listeners are are kind of sitting there and they're like, oh, do you know what? Taekwondo, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> if anybody's listening, like obviously we're in lockdown, but outside of lockdown, you know, how can people reach out whereabouts do you take your sessions um yeah uh, i mean they, they can get me on facebook um we've, we've got a facebook page phoenix taekwondo they're in kumarnak um the classes they're normally in mcovani campus on a tuesday and a thursday um and, and if if any anyone that's listening wants to to get in contact with me through the Facebook page um, then by all means there is a website which needs updated it's uh, www.phoenixtaekwondo.com and it's, it's about all but the, the details are still relevant if they want to um, so want to you, do you only hold sessions in Kilmarnock or are you elsewhere as well? <clears throat> no I, I train in, uh, teach in Glasgow um, sure. there's a facility in Glasgow we teach students from the West End and the city centre awesome. uh, they tend to be Mondays and Wednesdays. Come on, that's the main club. That was uh, that was the where the roots started to grow from. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where I went. And if <laughs> anyone's listening, you know, I'm a 
staunch proponent of it. It was awesome. Um, and I always say I, I might, I, I always say I might end up coming back, but I think it will be. Uh, I think if I ever go back to martial arts, I imagine it's going to be. Sadly, when my kids grow, kids maybe go to it. Maybe when I drag Evie along, maybe I'll just get back into it. You know. Uh, Happy to help the old ones. <laughs> but for for now. I'm just going to be uh, trying to get my black belt and lifting weights. <laughs> you got the goal. Let's go for it, man. Let's make it happen. But no, awesome having you on, Scott. And yeah, you know, you again. Uh, it. yeah cheers, Andy. Um, and obviously, if you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll catch up when all this is finished. Awesome.